You're listening to the Just Giants Podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. Welcome back to another episode of Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I am your host, the Football Grump. With me, as always, is Mike, the Cranky Fan, and we are... Are we celebrating tonight? No. We have the Blues tonight. Yeah. Well, either way. Both our hockey teams, uh... Tonight. No, you won. I'm sorry. You're not... I'm celebrating. I don't know what your problem is. Yeah. Yeah, No, I'm I'm in good spot. Yeah, we uh, we yacked away another third period lead in the second game we lost in overtime. So, you know, for all you people that couldn't wait to have a playoff series without the Lightning, this may be your chance. So, Devils still hanging on. Played like absolute dog shit first two games. Started to sort of come alive Saturday. Uh, so I had a party here Saturday. It's my girlfriend's birthday on Friday. Ah. Um, so we had, yeah, we had like 17 people in my tiny apartment. Uh, most of us crowded around the TV for like (laughs) the entire game. Um, but going into overtime with a lot of people around was pretty, was pretty fun. Um, yeah. And tonight too, I'm not, I'm not big into shit talking this. This is kind of interesting because the devils and the giants kind of emulating a lot of the same, like similar traits to their season where like teams on the upswing young getting better um years of early round draft picks finally accumulating at the right time but Mm -hmm. just completely they're like a year ahead of where i thought they would be so this is all just enjoyable to me i think i've said like multiple times like i'm more excited for the fact that i think the this is long term like the devils and rangers will be back and forth for another couple of years now so that's what you want. that makes it fun. Yeah. Repeatable, sustainable success. You're not putting all your chips in for one season. Mm-mm. It's not a fluky thing. It's, it's the start of something. And that's what makes it exciting. Like the first year is always like, Ooh, this is cool. But then like next year, it'll be like, okay, now I'm expecting it. And that's when it gets real. But now, now you just, you enjoy the ride. Yeah. And it's kind of what happened to the giants. So it, they mm-hmm. find themselves in this interesting spot. Now, um, News broke today. The Giants signed Ashawn Robinson, big-time defensive tackle, to a one-year deal worth, I think, $4 million with a bunch of incentives that can accumulate up to about $8 million. That's from Art Stapleton. Um, and we've Art, been talking about this for quite a while, too. Like, we, we, we sniffed this out about a month ago, and things kind of died, and it happened. Yeah, he had said a while back, I want to say maybe at the beginning of the month, Art, that is, um, had said that that visit went well. Uh, they just kind of walked away from each other. I thought that this signing was going to come after the draft and that second wave of free agency when you reassess your roster post-draft. Um, it happened right before it, and that's I think that's a credit, a credit to this giant staff getting themselves, again, set up for the draft. So Art went on to say, that he doesn't think this means anything for the future of Dexter Lawrence and his extension and the work they're doing there. And it doesn't mean anything for the present for Leonard Williams. Big cap number regardless, 
they view him as part of this defensive line rebuild, or at least the current one for next year. And quite frankly, Ashawn Robinson and Leonard Williams, they're different kinds of defensive tackles, right? So you, you wouldn't really assume one for the other unless they were doing a massive shift in what they want the defensive line to do, which I don't expect. I mean, this is part of prudent roster building, in my thinking. You don't want everybody who's a long-term prospect or anybody who's a short-term fix. You want to kind of stagger out, you know, age, experience, salary situation, money all over the place. So I, I just think it's just, you know, we are getting to the the depth building part of this roster, of, of this part of the rebuild. And I think guys like him are good for it. I do wonder what Leonard Williams' future is here. Like, he's a good player. And you have to wonder if they're, let's just, hypothetical scenario. Yeah. They're like 8-1. and one. Okay, and the mm-hmm. defense is like a top seven defense in the NFL. Uh, Leonard Williams is having a good year. Do you just extend him midway through the year? I mean, is that even on their minds? Is that possible? Or are they just waiting? Are they just well, playing him off the books, and then once he's off the books, he's off the books? Because well, he's still kind of young. Well, you know, like I say with free agency, it takes two to tango, and. If they are 8-1 and one and he's having a really good year and he might say, you know something, I'm, I want to go to free agency <laughs> or something. So. Well, maybe. I mean, or, you know, would he want to stay with a good team? I mean, would he rather go to the highest bidder after already making a lot of money or continue making decent money with a contender? I would say— In New York. I would say people— primarily would go there will be exceptions but primarily will go for the money especially in a sport that is as you have a such a short shelf life and the the prospects for injury you could your next play could be your last i think i i I would say more than likely he's going to try to get as much money as he can that doesn't mean he's not a true giant or a real giant or likes being here or dislikes being here i think these guys you know that will probably be his last contract and I think you, you go for the money. That's that's why, in the scenario you are bringing up, where they're playing really well and he's playing really well. Uh, but I mean, do you think it's on the Giants' mind to do something like that? No. No, you think they're just they're playing him off the books. I think a plan's a plan. I think uh, you know, because if they have if they have a long-term plan for him i think you know what what's the delta from what they expect him to be as opposed to being that much better this year you know i i think they kind of have a plan for him regardless of what his performance is this year so i don't think you know record or what he's actually doing if his productivity is up over what it was last year or his career norms i don't think it makes much of a difference so as it stands the roster on the defensive line looks something like Dexter Lawrence, Leonard Williams, Ashawn Robinson, Nacho, DJ Davidson, and Ryder Anderson. That's pretty deep and pretty talented. That feels like a nice upgrade from last year in the depth wise more than anything. Like I'm not afraid now if one person gets hurt, what's gonna happen right now. Um That being said Ashawn Robinson and Leonard Williams are only on for this year, I believe. So okay. that is 
that's kind of where like people I saw like the reaction is like, well, the Giants aren't going to draft a defensive tackle. It's like, well, I don't no. think that's true. And so I kind of want to get into like general draft thoughts as we just kind of ramp this up. We're just kind of clearing up some news here, but like. Mm-hmm. Before we get to all that stuff, I'm I'm just going to say like they're in a weird spot at the end of the first round where this is I don't think a draft where it's top heavy in talent. So like just strictly talent level, I don't think that there's like 30 first round drop draft picks in this class. So when you look at it that way, Picking at 25, is it just possible that you are strictly picking for the future? I mean, not strictly, but you start to question the value there, right? I mean, right, right. You're not going to shoehorn anything. I mean, in this draft class, more than anything, I'm glad they haven't pushed themselves to the limit at any position other than center. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think you're thinking more. Looking at trading down and getting more assets, I think, comes even more and more into play, I think. That's I, kind of what I think is happening here. I've, I've kind of been hinting along at that all along and had a feeling that that's what they might do. Um, I, we kind of went back and forth a little bit at a previous show about, you know, we don't think they'd ever trade up. For, we don't think there's anybody they love so much that they would move up a spot or two to, and give up an asset. But, you know, in that kind of no man's land of 25, you know there might be more value in trading down and getting an extra an extra pick somewhere, um, or be able to package an extra pick something even down the line further. So, I, I'm I'm getting more and more of a, of a feeling that that's what they might do. Yeah, and I think when you when you when you frame the vision that way, I think the likelihood of a defensive tackle being taken in day one or day two is still at the same level it would have been. Yes. You know you, you know what I mean like. Wait, wait. I mean, I guess it probably went down a little bit, but not that much because I think at this point you're not drafting for a ton of impact this year. Yeah, I don't really feel you ever really draft for immediate immediate impact. Well, I, I would say, look, I, I, my personal feelings about the first-round pick is if he is not first-round talent, which means almost in every single position except for maybe quarterback, and I don't mean upside, I mean talent, day one talent— they right. should be a starter day one. You exactly. should be able to count on that. If they are not that, then they better be a developmental superstar. You have to like be Anthony pretty Richardson. sure that that's what you're going for in the first round. Yeah, something that you project in three years or Trey Lance or someone like that where because of circumstance, he's not going to play day one, may not be rated, but they have a, a vision for a guy. Like a that. higher ceiling. Yes. Um. And if that's the case, I don't know how many of those guys are around 25. It's almost like well, there's typically not many. Higher than that. Yeah, typically at at 25, you're either banking on a safe pick that probably value wise belongs in the top of the second round, but that you have no shot at when you're picking in the second. You know what I mean? So you're either picking the safe guy that's like a little bit early, or you're picking that upside guy. That's kind of, I think, your M.O. at a certain point in the first round most years. There's just not enough top-end talent, and that's where the pivot happens. Mm-hmm. Where you start to see things kind of go haywire is when you have bad teams try and force picks, you know, things like that. 
and that can cascade a draft board. I don't know why we're talking about this anymore. Anyway, the, the, the point is here, um, we're going to get into general draft thoughts, but I think the Giants did a lot of really interesting things to put themselves in a good spot on draft night, which is good because I will be live on Talking Giants, and there's no worse spot to be when you don't know what the hell is going on. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I thought this was interesting. They Art Stapleton tweeted out 28 of their top 30 visits. Okay, they only get these 30 visits with guys. Okay. So when you analyze the roster and fixing the team from a future standpoint in the draft, do you think they need more work on offense or defense? Defense. Okay. They agree with you, at least from the interview standpoint. Only 10 of the 28 people were on offense. 18 were defensive players. Um, Which position would you say was is the most dire need to be filled? Uh, Cornerback? Corner. Okay. Well, they apparently agree with you too. Uh, They they had visits with five players, Joey Porter, Deontay Banks, Emmanuel Forbes, Darius Rush, and Trey Hawkins. Okay. Um, I was surprised because from my standpoint, offensive line is still really scary. Well, let me let me ask you a question for the for the interviews. Well, wait, wait, hang on, sit one second. Just yeah, just a, they only interviewed one tenor, one lineman, and that was John Michael Schmitz. But that's the only one. So, so I'm, gonna th- I'm gonna answer this kind of like thinking outside the box a little bit. The interview. It's not a workout, right? It's an actual interview. They sit down with them. They they have a conversation with them. I thought it was a private workout with with also that. But maybe I'm wrong. So my thinking is the cornerback position is kind of a flaky position, and it's very tough to – you know, it's harder to hit on a cornerback. And I think you want to bring in to understand someone's mentality, their makeup, their desire, all that type of stuff where – to me, like a lineman just goes out and does his thing. You know, he's, you, you could see the tape on him and you see, but like cornerback is something where you can be easily spooked if you, you know, you get burnt. You have to have, they always say, you know, the cliche is that, you know, have no memory, you know, the last play or anything. And I think you may want to bring these guys in to see what their makeup is as much of a position like that. And, you know, if they're looking for quarterback, they bring a lot of quarterbacks in and they want to see what kind of leader he is and how he, you know, handle situations. You know, if they were going for a, a middle linebacker, maybe something like that also to kind of understand what kind of a leader they are, how can they do things. So that was kind of my thinking why they maybe – maybe it's not a, a harbinger of like, oh, we're going cornerback or a, a, an answer of need, but more of a we need to get into these guys' skulls as much as seeing what they do on film. So you mean from a positional standpoint it just makes more sense? Yes. So, okay. The, the, I'm... Value, the value of a of – a, in-person visit the i'm gonna read through the positional breakdown and i just want you to shout out anything that you think is interesting okay so four wide receivers that was the third most at a position i i I, I would thinking of positions of needs yeah that's that's a big position of need um interesting is that they went zay flowers jordan addison jalen hyatt and uh marvin mims Jalen Hyatt, huh? Yeah, interesting. I I don't see it with him personally. Uh, just a lot of speed. Yeah. Um, one running back. Uh, okay. One offensive lineman. Who is that lineman? 
John Michael Schmitz, the center from uh, okay, wherever Minnesota, Minnesota. Uh, two tight ends and two quarterbacks, Hendon Hooker and Clayton Toon. Hendon Hooker to me feels like one of those guys that may, you know he's brought in to be primarily a backup and maybe someday become a coach type of guy. You know he's pretty old. Um, he's had a couple of serious injuries. Uh, I don't think he's ever, you know, he ran a very intricate, almost gimmicky offense at Tennessee, but stares maybe, down his receivers hardcore. Yeah, I, I don't think you're drafting him necessarily to be a guy who's ever going to start for your team, but maybe some guy who's just, you know, a, a smart guy, a mature guy that you know, maybe someday can be your number two. So I'm I'm a little bit beat up mentally, but I'm pretty sure if I didn't make that point. Or I, I at least thought about that point, but um, I believe I made the argument that he's a consideration to draft just as a backup to Daniel Jones because he can move. He can probably run a similar offense in a pinch down the line I, I think for you, cheaper. If, I yeah. think if you slow down the Tennessee offense, it could look more like the Giants. I mean, they don't look sure. the same, obviously, because they are running at like, you know, a thousand plays a minute. You know, it looks like, you know, watching Babe Ruth films from 1926 running around the bases. But, you know, I, I could see the transition where he could he could be effective in this offense. Uh, I, I, I kind of agree with you. I think his real trajectory in the NFL is more Ryan Fitzpatrick or, mm-hmm. or, or maybe even Brian Hoyer. But somebody who just – he overachieves as a backup and underachieves as a starter. Hey, would you feel more comfortable having him as your backup than, you know, what we have now? I'm not too Tyrod Taylor. No, I'm I'm comfortable with Tyrod Taylor because he's a vet. Um, yeah, but but I'm, athletically speaking, I mean they're both not that good. I'm not gonna lie to you. But yeah, I'm pretty out on Tyrod Taylor. So um, I again not so much from the physical standpoint because every time we've seen Tyrod Taylor in a game, he's no. It's he's, just decision making, man. I feel like he, I feel like he's auditioning to be a, a starting quarterback somewhere. It doesn't accept his role of being a backup quarterback. Where I think, I think a guy like Hooker knows his role. Maybe. It, yeah. This is, I don't know. I mean, again, I, I, I talked to a friend of mine who, who went to Tennessee as a diehard ball, and we were talking about his draft potential, and that's kind of also what he sort of thinks. is like this guy's never going to be, you know, I don't think he's going to be a starter in the NFL, but he's going to have like a nine-year career just, you know, getting jobs. And he might be on six teams in nine years and play 15 total snaps, but he'll always get work. Yeah. I mean, we'll see. I mean, he might end up in the XFL or something, too. I, I, I just think if you look at the, the the list of needs for the Giants, backup quarterback, I think is kind of low. It is kind of low, but also backup quarterbacks go pretty low in the draft. So, yeah. Um, on defense, now they did went five corners, two safeties. I'm I'm counting Marte Mapu as a linebacker, so three in like off ball linebackers. Okay. Um, three interior defensive linemen. And. Five edge rushers. Hmm. Five edge rushers, huh? Yeah. So I thought that was interesting too. Uh, that kind of jumped out at me a little bit. Um. So I think that speaks to Aziz. I think we kind of saw the writing on the wall with him, you know, from the middle of last year. And I think even when we did the breakdown on that position, you had said. Well, I don't think there's any writing on the wall. I didn't just injured it's, for a second year. That's yeah. the first year he wasn't even it's hurt. Spray, it's spray painted on the wall and. Uh... <laughs> I, that that one can be washed off, I guess. Yeah. I mean, it, one one year where he 
got injured. I, I think you could also see it coming. He put on a ton of bulk really fast, and mm-hmm. that to me just sounds like in the short span between the end of your rookie year, a young guy, because he is young and still growing, he's able to throw that weight on. But, like, I just don't feel like your tendons and, like, that. I don't think it can They're keep ready. up with that. Like, yeah. yeah, it just doesn't – you put it on too fast to be at breakneck speed. So I think you could see it coming anyway. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I thought that was kind of interesting, though. Five – Five edge rushers and three interior defensive linemen is a huge overload on the defense that I I didn't expect such a, an investment on the visits there. But the visits, they could be just to throw off other teams. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, that's true too. I mean, you know, we we're playing shell games with everything involved with the draft. Maybe you know, bring. I mean, it'd be kind of shitty sending somebody out on a private you know, interview just to kind of throw off other teams but well i mean i think at some point you're also doing your full due diligence you might surprise yourself right right but i mean what i mean is you know maybe going five corners is showing your hand to other teams that you want corner more than you actually do do you know what mm-hmm. i'm saying mm-hmm. like Maybe they want a corner and they're interested in all five of those because there's a legitimate chance that all five could be on the plate for them. Right. But, but the reality is they're not that interested in corner. You know, maybe it's a scenario that comes up, but they just want other teams to think it because it makes sense and they can do right. what they really want. Whatever. Exactly. Um, it makes sense. It makes total sense. Some interesting names that I saw up there. Uh, I'm just going to shout out the names, but the actual guys I want to talk about, I'll talk about. So okay. Flowers and Addison – at wide receiver they went for the tcu running back miller i thought that was interesting um and the reason why i thought that is because i don't really know that much about him i haven't scouted him so i just watched you know two quick games these aren't real notes but things i just noticed is that he is shifty and he's a good running back with like decisive cuts and he's got pretty good vision but where he really stood out to me was as a blocker and i thought that was pretty interesting um that is a known Saquon Barkley weak spot, although last year I thought he had improved on that pretty well. The offense also helped. But I don't really know that they have anyone on the roster that's particularly good at that. Uh, at the running back position? I don't, I don't think feel so. Like, I don't think any of those other guys are, you know. I, don't th- I mean, I think I Brightwell, so Brightwell is probably okay. Mm-hmm. But this is a better running back than Gary Brightwell, in my opinion. Right. So Interesting thought there. Um, the two tight ends are two completely different kinds. Okay. Luke Musgrave from Oregon State is much more athletic receiving tight end. Payne Durham from uh, Purdue is a Mark Bavaro slow bruiser um, that just doesn't go down. Completely, com- I thought that was just wild on its face. Um, let, me, let me ask you something about tight end for a minute. Do go you, for it. Do you feel they're going to try to get more of a tight end it's more of a blocking tight end because they're waiting for Evan Neal to fully develop like it's almost like a short-term solution and then maybe you know once Evan Neal you know kind of grows into the role of a right tackle that you know they may try to get a different type of tight end I don't know because so so hear me out here these are two of my favorite tight ends in this class and they are completely different and I think when I initially did tight end review that was before the Darren Waller trade Mm-hmm. So we were talking mainly about um, oh Christ, who was the tight end we drafted last year? He was huge for us, Bellinger. We're Bellinger. talking mainly about Daniel Bellinger and how he is a pretty good receiver and a pretty good blocker. He is just all around 
pretty good. And that kind of allows them to do one or the other. So it doesn't it doesn't uh I, I would normally say with the addition of Waller, they could fully complement everyone by going with more of a blocker, right? So then you have your in between who can do both, you have your strictly blocker, which by the way, Payne Durham, when he catches the ball, he really can't be tackled. So he's not like a <laughs> schlub in the open field. He just doesn't separate. Right. Um, and then you have your Darren Waller type that's like you're basically a receiver. But also, like, Darren Walter, just like everything else, he came with, like, an insurance policy. He's really only, like, a two-year deal, isn't he? Yeah, and also, he gets injured a lot, too. You know, how much is he going to be on the field? So, I, I think, again, it comes down to they are they probably like some guys that are more receivers, and they probably like some of the guys that are more blockers, and they'll just assess on draft day. Because I think, like everything else, they put themselves in this position to be flexible with the plan. Let yep. the draft board come to them. Yep. Yep. Um, I, I thought... Think I think you're right on. I think you're spot on. Uh, another one I thought was interesting was cornerback Trey Hawkins. He's one of the few guys on here I didn't know jack shit about. Really had to look him up. Corner from Old Dominion. And... Mm. Um, I was actually really impressed, dude. I threw him in only after watching two games. I just threw him temporarily into my big board for day two prospect. What um, conference is Old Dominion? Uh, is that the AAC? I don't even think they're that high. They might be, with like two lanes. Maybe they are. They are in the in the Sun Belt. So, okay, so they're Sun Belt. So they're yeah, in with so like that's, Troy. That's a, that's a that's a low, yeah. That's uh, Liberty, Coastal Carolina. That's halfway decent. Um, Georgia Southern isn't Louisiana in that conference. Uh, Louisiana Lafayette. Uh, yes. Uh, yeah. No. No. Okay. No. Never mind. I thought they I were Sun Belt. I should know. My only my coach went there. <laughs> I I thought they were Sun Belt, but whatever. Um, I'm looking it does. It really doesn't matter. My point is, is that he's a six-one corner. Who's 190 pounds? That's a little bit light, but he also ran a 4.39 at his mm. pro day. That's insane. Really long corner. Uh, he looks way more comfortable in man coverage than he does in zone, and he really likes to mix it up in the run game too. He's really good in run support. I could see him fitting into a wink system. Now, I I didn't. This isn't like real scout work for me. I just watched two games. That's not enough for me. But mm-hmm. definitely caught my eye. A name that I had not seen at all. Um, interesting. They had uh they checked out Gervon Dexter. Oh. Okay. Uh, so Gervon Dexter, you know, obviously a gator. Um it's kinda hard to evaluate him because if you watch the tape, you know, because of the lack of, you know, talent and, and depth around him, he was being double teamed every single play and he played almost every single down. So, you know, ideally you want to give the guy a blow for a play or two or, or even a series or two and you know, because he was, you know, their best defensive lineman, he played a lot and was got most of the attention. So, you know, you tell me from watching the film, you know, can you see the potential, the green shoots of, of somebody could be more than what, what his numbers might have shown for being at Florida? So, uh, yeah, actually I can and I will. So today, Good. this is Tuesday that you guys are listening to this. I It's Monday night right now as I'm speaking and um, – no, it's it's Tuesday morning because it's oh, after Tuesday midnight. Morning. Happy yeah. Tuesday, bro. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
my plan is to by 6:30 p.m. have another ranking video on my football grump channel of defensive linemen and I had a special highlight for Gervon Dexter. So here's a little preview for that if you're going to check on that. Very nice. Um, which which by the way, I I uploaded today at 6:30 p.m. I uploaded like a defensive backs video and I was mm-hmm. so proud of myself, man. I like I had all my work done. I did that on like my lunch break and then as soon as I was done with work, I edited the thing. I had a Twitter promo ready. I scheduled tweets. I scheduled the video. I went to the gym and I looked at the TV at the gym and I'm like, it's scheduled for 6:30 and it's like, oh, 7 o'clock's the hockey game. Literally nobody's going to watch it. So oh, dipshit. <laughs> moron. In any case, Stupid. <laughs> Gervon Dexter. All right, so my biggest thing with Dexter is he is very visibly slow off the ball, like the last guy in the defensive line to react to the snap. That being said, just about everything else shows up. I mean, like you said, um, he gets doubled a lot, and you the, the highlights from 2022 for him are not super dominant or anything like that, but... He clearly has NFL strength. I mean, he is tossing SEC linemen around. Um, yeah. he was a he was a five star recruit. He was a big, big, big time. He was probably the highest rated recruit in the Dan Mullen era at Florida. Uh, I I think he's still really raw. He I don't know that much of his backstory, but he is not overly experienced in football, right? Like, I think he only has, like, two years of high school ball and nothing before that, right? Yeah, and all of a sudden he just, because of his size, all of a sudden just became one of those, uh, you know, recruiting darlings, and you know, and, uh, yeah. So I I think what you have there is a really high upside. You have a dude who's already at NFL strength, and he has, like, a natural instinct to – use leverage to his advantage, understand where to place his hands and stuff like that. Like that stuff, I think he just knows intuitively. I don't know if maybe he has like a wrestling background or something, but neither here nor there. Um, He's the type of guy that... It's just like, it's the little things, man. Like he doesn't know how to hand fight. He doesn't have a ton of moves. Like I said, he's slow off the ball, but like that, if he develops that stuff, like he can be like a, a disruptor in the middle. And the good thing is on a team like this, we're not asking him to go – if you drafted him, to be like day one starter. He can be worked in the rotation, you know, get a year or two of, of good coaching, and, and, and away we go from there, especially if, uh, you know, we don't have a Leonard Williams on the team in 2024. Or right, and that's kind of where I'm, I'm hinting at. Now, yeah. like the other thing too to note is that – and like you can correct me here because you've clearly watched more of Gervon Dexter than I have, but – Player two, yeah. Um, you know, so – like I said, he's slow off the ball. He's not a particularly fast defensive lineman either. But none of that seems like a motor problem with him, right? You never get that problem, no, like like not thought. At all. Not at all. I, to me, it was just like a guy who just, you know, some people just look exhausted mm-hmm. and just like a lot of miles on the tires. Yeah, that's kind of what it looked like to me. That's kind of what it felt like to me, especially you got the second half of the year. It's like this guy, and you know, again, you know, a lot of miles on the tires. You know you're probably going pro next year. Your team sucks. <laughs> you know, all those things may not give you the, the most pretty tape, but it's not because of like I would say lack of motivation or lack of motor or lack of you know being lazy. It's just it's a 20 year old high school kid who's a college kid who's you know has the future ahead of him. So when I look at this list of guys in the top 30 and now the top 30 don't have to do like with 
the first round pick whatsoever. I mean, they can just be guys mm-hmm. you want for a private visit, and they probably sure. most times won't be. I want to say there's three, mm. four guys in this list, five. Well, so there's like Flowers and Addison. Those are first round guys. Okay, I know where you're going with this. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm, I'm counting as I'm getting... There's four guys. Well, actually, there's 30 guys. But. <laughs> so Flowers and Addison, those are first-round guys. I've made the argument that you could reach for John Michael Schmitz. Like I said before, you're picking the back half of the first round. It's not a top-heavy draft. You take a safe guy. I could see John Michael Schmitz being the guy. Okay. Um, and you're not alone in that. Yeah, I don't think I'm alone in that. Joey Porter, Deontay Banks, Emmanuel Forbes... Darius Rush, I don't think anyone in the media has any fucking clue how to grade a cornerback because I've seen all of them in the first round. And they might all go there, but, like, I I don't know, man. I don't see all of those guys. To me, there's maybe Deontay Banks is a first-round pick. Joey Porter is a first-round pick. I could see those guys. Apparently, Emmanuel Forbes is everybody's favorite, even though he weighs, like, 160 pounds soaking wet. Um, I, I feel like these guys are cycling in and out of the first round because there's so much time and so much to talk about. With I, yeah, I think that's I think that's really it. Um, and this, this is where we start hearing the rumors too, where it's like, here's what I'm hearing: NFL GMs and scouts are way higher on than the media. And then like on draft day, it's like, duh. Like, yeah, I, I was at an event tonight. I was at a Gator event. Met Coach Napier and Brandon Olson, who does Locked On Gators, and also works for Patty Trainer does a lot of video work for her and everything. And we were talking at the event and we talked about this exact same thing. So we started talking about the draft and it was just like, there's draft fatigue. And it's just, you know, you can only sustain a story for so long or a storyline for so long before you want to go to the next storyline. And this kind of feels exactly like what we're talking about with these guys. So many of these guys are at some point, you know, considered first round picks, but let's do like a diagram of when they were considered first round picks compared to everybody else. It's so yeah. annoying because it, because yeah. there's like so there's the legitimate trajectory of why this happens. It's the beginning of the draft process. Everyone's done the top fifty guys, and so there's an outline of the top fifty. The organic way that this happens is that as you dive deeper into schools and deeper into prospects, you find one guy that is undervalued because of X, Y, and Z, and he shoots up boards as more and more people understand it. What you actually have now is this like contrived media thing because you have people like Mel Kuyper whose whole job is to do the draft. So don't tell me the week before the draft you discovered yeah. some and fucking guy. No, you knew well. all along. The first the, the first like 18 mock drafts he puts out are just horseshit for your clicks. Of course. So like, and, and then he like 18, he's never going to say from mock 17 to 18, I'll have the same first round. He has to change it by nature of the fact that it's something different. But his end goal is still to be right, as close to right on draft day as possible. So like well, those last those last like five are at least worth paying attention to. But like it just feeds this whole culture where everybody else ends up doing the same fucking thing. And it's just I don't his, pay attention to any of it anymore. His goal will be to be right when ESPN finally goes back and fact checks their people. Like the day they actually, you know, on Saturday night go back and say, Well, Lee Corso was two and seven on his picks or you know herb street was nine and three on his picks it doesn't matter there's never espn's especially guilty but all the media is and 
you could, I guess you could say us as being little doofuses also, but like there's no accountability for making picks. You know, the, I, you know, Kuiper has his final knock. He has these 32 guys and he might be wrong on 28 of them. Nobody ever says, Hey, you know, Kuiper was wrong on 28 of the 32. It just goes off into the ether. You know, Lee Corso puts on a, uh, a headset for Ohio state or whatever, but, and Michigan beats them. Like, what's nobody remembers? I think at this point, Lee Corso is not really entirely sure what planet he's on. Yeah, he uh, on like not even making a joke. I, yeah, genuinely yeah. speaking, for his health. But, but any of these, like, <laughs> if you, watch, you watch CBS, you know, the, the pregame coverage of the NFL, and they have 13 people on the screen before each game <laughs> making their 13 picks. When do they ever say, you know, at, you know, at seven o'clock as they're wrapping up the day's coverage? Oh, Phil Sims was. You know, ten and two today, or they never do that. It's just, it's all for clicks. So don't ever take seriously what these guys are. You know, they're they're in it for entertainment. They're in it to clicks. They're in it to make money. So, gun gun to your head, first round pick. What do you think is going to happen? What are they aiming for? Give me a couple of thoughts. First round pick. Gun to my head, they're trading down into the second round. Gun to my head, I think. Well, I think they've set themselves up to take what falls while still offering a trade to whoever is silly enough to reach. Like I said, I think they're either going to, and I think they're safe. So, like, I think a corner, an edge rusher, a wide receiver is going to plummet. And that's one pick they might make. You know, a Zay Flowers, a Jordan Addison, one of those guys could fall. Something, they, there'll, be a run, there'll be a run on something else that will cause some of those guys to bump down. Yeah. Um, you know, Joey Porter falling for no reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are guys I could see them snatching up. I think they're probably going to try to trade down. And if they have no partner and there's none of those guys fall to them, I think the safe pick, I think it's John Michael Schmitz. I, it's the I, only one that they actually have to get. And, you know... It, I, I think that there's a chance that there's a run on interior offensive linemen at the top of the second round, and by the time they pick second round, their fucking guys are off the board, and they are fucked for this year. That is my pick, and I wrote it down. There you go. I, 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 I briefly I saw that. Yeah, I, that, that was my kind of, you know... Did you write it down in John Michael Schmitz or nothing or whatever? What's the Vontae Mack quote? Yeah. <laughs> It's on my little uh, my little post-it. You should you should tweet that on draft night. You should draw it out and then take a picture and tweet it. I, I might have watched it on the plane this weekend. Again? So here's my thing on planes, real quick. Is like I can't watch new movies because I have no attention span. I need something that's just noise in the background. It's like listening to your fa- your favorite album. It's just I, I just hear it and it's on. So, you know, Casino's on, Goodfellas is on, and so for some reason, Draft Day is in that mix. So, you know, with, with it being draft week coming up, I just felt it was, you know. There you go. Yeah. Eating my pancakes. So. Um, I, I, yeah, that's, that's kind of how I think that first day is going. I think with this draft, the, the bulk of the players, I think this is a good draft. I just don't think it's a good first round. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of the talent, I think, is log jammed into day two. I think there's a ton of day two talent that will spill into day three. So I think trading down is what they really do want to do. I think they would rather get the hell out of the first round and accumulate stuff on day two. And and if they can get a pick for 2024 in the process. 
let me ask you, Grump. You know, I don't like doing the, you know, what what would make you mad? Because nothing's going to make me mad in the draft unless we, you know, do something. I'll be mad if we trade down because I'll have schlepped my way to Manhattan to do nothing. I'm sure Bobby and Justin would be really pleased to hear that. That's, <laughs> Your company. I mean, no, no a good point. But I mean, everybody, the overreaction for like, oh, I'm so. No, you're not. You're still getting a good player. You know, it may not be what you wanted or what you predicted, which makes you mad. But what? But my point of this is, what would make you the happiest if, you know, you had one pick? You know, what would make you the most excited as a Giant fan moving forward into, you know? So like it it doesn't have to make sense. It just would make me personally feel like the intern. Yeah, I mean, makes sense, but like be reasonable. Like not right, right, no, no, no. I, yeah. uh, I think this is a completely legitimate thing. People have mocked it, but Zay Flowers for me, I think, is the most exciting one. Um, I I think you could make good arguments for John Michael Schmitz would make me the happiest from a logical standpoint. Uh, I think Joey Porter is a close second for exciting player to pick in the first round i would say even sydney brown i don't know that he's really a first round player but if you're gonna maybe they trade down but not out of the first round maybe they end up picking like 30th or something uh those are guys that i think are exciting zay flowers uh sydney brown from illinois and uh you know joey porter john michael smith or osiris torrance if we can get on day one a, a really good offensive lineman. That means we have a pedigree of three, you know, high-quality yeah. first-round guys on the offensive line who are all young, who are all still on rookie contracts. That would make me the most – because I feel like if you really wanted to get a really good receiver, you can get one. You, you can make a trade. You can – something can happen to get him. I don't think it's – it's really, really hard to get good offensive linemen. I think they, so too. They don't grow on trees. They don't. They're not trade assets. I mean, when was the last time a really good offensive lineman was traded? And you hear like every year a really good wide receiver. Like look at, you know, look at the Eagles last year. Look at you know all these different teams. Buffalo. All these teams. If you want to make a deal for one and you want to give up some assets, you can do it. It's just really hard to get really good offensive linemen. So, I know everybody really wants you know the whole argument for the whole offseason before we re-signed Daniel Jones is how good is he to have any weapons I, and I get that but weapons are only so good if you don't have a good offensive line to to protect your quarterback and to run the football well said man I'm uh, I'm excited for draft day I'm gonna be in Manhattan with Bobby Justin and uh, I think Robert Schmitz uh, I believe is gonna be there he's been down to the senior bowl with us uh, I, I smart dude I might try to crash the party. I don't need to be on, on the show, but I might just crash to hang out. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I'm not sure what your plans are for the night, but uh, that's where I'll be, so you can watch that on the Talking Giants YouTube channel, and I think and the JM it, Football channel. I don't know. Yeah, and those guys are great guys. I mean, there's a great chemistry, obviously, with the two of them. You all love that show, and when Grump's on it, it's a lot of fun, too. And Yeah, that's like a fun hangout. I mean, I have yeah. my stuff. I'll be prepared to talk about whatever, but I'm – that this weekend to me is like a huge payoff. Like I'm, I'm yeah. looking at it more as like a party. Well, like, I mean, it's just it's it's finally let's the, all the work you've done and Grump. I got to give you all the props in the world. I mean, you you put in so much time and effort, and it shows not only on this show but on on your YouTube channel when you're on Talking Giants when you're on other shows. I mean, it's it 
you know, you do the work that professionals are doing. And, you know, I did the blind, you know, taste test on watch this analyst and watch some schmuck who's on ESPN. There's really not much of a difference. So you've really grown as a, you know, as a draft uh, specialist. And uh, this is your weekend to kind of, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't judge yourself or anybody watching this who has a mock draft, judge yourself on how accurate you are, yes or no, because the draft takes weird things. You know, somebody gets picked and picked four, which nobody expected, and everything gets jacked up. You know, a trade happens and everything gets screwed up. I think let's um, – and don't overreact. You know, the first guy we get is not going to Canton most likely, and, the you know, the guy you didn't want is not the worst piece of shit ever. So – let it play out. Enjoy Great draft game. mantras. I like that. I try. Yeah, no, and like so, I'm personally. I was like, oh man, this is my first time like publishing like a lot of my work where you know I might write something in. And it's like, oh, that was a bad take. I totally whiffed on that guy. Like that's going to be brought to light now. And I was like, well, well, did you? a a I don't care, and b, um, I pride myself in that I'm not trying to go for an accurate mock. I'm trying to go for an accurate eval. So, well, wait a minute. I mean, so like, I won't second. really know how I did until, like, three years from now. First of all, when some motherfucker starts paying us to do these shows, then we really start worrying about that. That's but a good second point. Of all, but more importantly, just because somebody's picked in a different spot doesn't mean you blew the evaluation. Right, that's what I mean. If, like, you my eval will... Like, if you think, wow, this guy, you know, he's not very quick. You know, you're talking about, uh, you're talking about Dexter, for example. And he gets drafted. Let's say he gets picked 15th, and you didn't expect him to be that high. And he sucks. Well, maybe you know something, Grump. Your evaluation actually was pretty accurate. Those imbeciles right. evaluated wrong, or it just didn't work out. So I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't be harsh on yourself that you know you just had a different opinion of what they did, and it will be able to bore out when that guy either signs a second contract, or moves on, or is cut, or God knows what. Yeah, man. So I'm, uh, I'm excited for this weekend. I can't wait for I this am- weekend to happen. I mean, Jesus Christ! I mean, this weekend is insanity as it is. We have, you know, we have the we have the Knicks potentially going to the round two. We all of us have hockey teams that are still alive. As the Devils of Rangers is like that draws like so many Giants draft eyes. Oh yeah, so I, many Giants draft eyes. I mean, I would love to, you know, I have to go to Indy this weekend for work, but you know, I Jesus, I we we have to figure out something, and this is something we'll talk about with you know the Talking Giants guys and all of our you know. The people that we you know that we're always texting in our group chat with that we need to have a watch party for all of this shit. I mean, we're all we're all loosely affiliated. Whether you know we're all Giant fans, but there's a lot of Nick fans in that group, and you know the Net fans will just go and see what real playoff basketball is like and all that stuff. But we definitely need to do something. So hit us up on Twitter if you want to meet up with us and watch any of this stuff, whether it's the draft or. Any any disordered playoffs, or if you want to watch the best team in baseball, you know I'm always up for a race game too. <laughs> um, next week we will have our regular Tuesday episode. Uh, we will recap the entire draft um, on my channel next week on Football Grump. I will have individual breakdowns on every player of the Giants draft. Um, yeah. I know that that is more of like an NFL channel, but it will still be a Giants highlight because I'm a Giants fan and it's my channel. So how about that? Grump, question. Uh, do you want to go Sunday night so we can have the show ready Monday morning? Um, maybe. That sounds like a good idea. It's going to depend on how I feel Sunday. That's true. I don't want um, to commit to that. So uh, I, I will th- be in uh, 
I will be in Indianapolis after a huge meal at um, St. Elmo's Steakhouse. If you've ever been, there. if anybody mm. who's been there for the Super Bowl knows that place is the shit. So that's my meal Sunday night. Lucky bastard. Yeah. Um, in any case, whether the show is Monday morning or Tuesday morning, be sure to follow us on Twitter at football underscore grump at the cranky fan at just giants pod. So you can find out when that episode actually is. Or if you're subscribed on YouTube or SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, et cetera, you'll just get it in your feed and you'll know right away. So and where, we, where, we, where do we find your show, your YouTube show? My show on YouTube is just football grump. Um, I can put the link in the description below here. Uh, I have a new episode on defensive backs that came out Monday, and hopefully by the time you're listening to this, at the end of the day, there will be another one on defensive linemen. Hopefully the day after that, I'll have one on edge rushers, and then I'm going to try to have posted Thursday morning uh, like my big board or my top 50 or something like that. I mean, there's only two shows right now where I can't wait for the next episode. It's Secession, and it's, you know... (laughs) The football grump show those there. are the two that i'm ready i have my popcorn i have the lights turned low <laughs> the picture of phone. mom is pushed down <laughs> <laughs> exactly i i put mute i turn my phone off so no one will bother me you know no no spoilers from anybody that's, throw that's on a little manilo and just watch <laughs> all right we will see you all next week after the draft hope you guys enjoy the draft and we'll see you then go giants go giants